I have a six o'clock flight on Friday. I'm off to Barcelona for a little while and I'm not sure I'm feeling too friendly about a 6am flight. So when when people are listening to this, you'll, you'll be in lovely, sunny Barcelona. Yeah, I'm off on a scouting mission. I've heard there's this chap, El Messi. He's, he's supposed to be a bit decent. So yeah, I'm going to go check him out. I, I don't suppose many people have heard of him yet. While you're there, if you could have a look at this um, midfielder I've heard of. His name's Andres Iniesta. No, no, he's probably rubbish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talking of probably rubbish if that was not the smoothest segue into United's performance against Wolverhampton Wanderers I don't know what was it's you know I predicted that we would win on on last week's rank cast but I didn't really mean it I, I as the man said I had a bad feeling about this yeah well there's no probably about it United were rubbish yeah it, it was abysmal really and and the worst thing about it was that despite having plenty of possession in the second half uh, United created almost nothing it, it just seemed it was just in, it just seemed inevitable for a lot long long time that United were going to lose there's no head of steam was built up it's not like you're thinking something's going to happen here like at Blackpool and there was just nothing almost two man everyone was abysmal it was a terrible performance a deserved loss and not a great way to lose a 29 match unbeaten Premier League run I can't help feeling there's a certain appropriateness to losing in that fashion I, I would almost rather lose against one of the smaller clubs than one of our big rivals that's for sure because because it just would have been quite painful if we'd lost, say we'd we'd won that game and lost this one uh, at the weekend coming up. That would have been a pretty horrible way to end that unbeaten run. But, uh, you know, we've, we've talked about it a lot this season. We haven't lost any games, but nor have we been very good a lot of the time, obviously, especially away from home. And, and it, it's no surprise at all that the, the run came to an end away from home, because because that's where we've been vulnerable. And then this performance has been coming. Well, not, not coming. This performance has happened. We've just managed to pull it out out of the uh, pull the fat out of the fire or whatever the expression is clearly uh, all season United have been very very different away from home than at home and uh, there have been quite a few very poor performances away from home where you know, Fergie's side could easily have lost and yep uh, I think uh, all season long, uh, I mean, ha- ha- really seriously, how many good performances away from home have there actually been? Maybe in Valencia. And even then, uh, United were definitely not the best side and, and rode some luck to, to win that game. So, yep, it's it's been coming. Uh, I, I, I have to say, I, I got quite a few tweets this week uh, with people saying, well, at least it wasn't the derby. But fair enough, yes, at least it wasn't the derby. But it's not a zero-sum game, right? Uh, we could still lose against Manchester the city on Saturday as yeah, well. Yeah, 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 which would be painful in itself, but I, I, I kind of understand where those tweets are coming from because it would be worse to be conceding a record and, and losing to Manchester City. Uh, what, what did you put the, the poor performance against Wolves down to? Yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure exactly because in, in recent away performances we've seen United feel a bit shapeless, haven't we? And and, and it wasn't really the case against Wolves. We had you know, Nani out on the right and Giggs out on the left and it, and it was a pretty balanced side and I, actually I think on this occasion it was just mainly to do with United just not playing very well. And I mean, perhaps there there were some particularly poor individual performances. Obviously, Carrick was had one of his worst performances for some time, dragged off at half-time, maybe Skulls could have started and he's played a little bit recently, so I guess Fogey wanted to rotate. Maybe there's just a, a, some inevitability about United's performances away from home now. There seems to be a tentativeness about them. We're not we're not going for the, the juggler of uh, the opponents anymore, and maybe that's just crept into the psyche of United's players, and they expect to perform badly away from home. So, you say Michael Carrick 
Carrick was particularly poor. 31 attempted passes, 9 unsuccessful. Almost all the unsuccessful passes, with one one or two notable exceptions, were uh, attempts at creating something uh, so that it wasn't kind of casually giving the ball away. But but what what was he what was he doing wrong? Yeah, I, d- I just I, I, it's not so much the the unsuccessful part. I mean, it's fine if you are trying to play the killer ball. Of course, if it's at the right time. So yeah, yeah. I think you can um, you can draw conclusions from statistics that aren't always there. Yeah, of course. Uh, there was something about Carrick's performance which was just a bit, uh, you know, yeah. there just wasn't anything anything there. Yeah, and uh, passes weren't penetrative. Clearly, uh, I, I think uh, you're, I'm sure you're right in terms of the, the attempted creative passes going wrong. Well, you know, there's a uh, that's a problem in itself, and he was just—it was just one of those Michael Carrick performances. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not someone who routinely has a go at Michael Carrick, but I think it was just one of those performances where United just needed a bit of authority, and, and he wasn't able to give it. Yeah. So if, if that's not too much of a Michael Carrick cliche, no, well, no, it's it's not because sometimes he does, doesn't he? I mean, you know, he has been known to give United authority games where he's playing well. He strokes the ball around beautifully and, and makes a huge difference. It's just very—it was a very frustrating performance but but United have been very frustrating away from home so much this season that it was no surprise and it's it must be maddening to be a Wolves fan and to be able to beat United and Chelsea and Arsenal and lose to all the teams around you constantly and be bottom of the league. I mean, Fergie said he thought Wolves were in a false league position, um, but I, I I don't think that's true because they've it, do, it doesn't really mean anything, does it? What does it mean a false league position? Yeah, um, they, they've they've not made it count in the games they've needed to. Um, no, they certainly haven't. And actually, you'd you'd question what's going on there. They're able to raise their game when they're playing some of the bigger clubs and they can't in the in the games that probably actually matter more um, it, there's a problem. So Sam Allardyce when he was manager of Bolton um, used to have a sort of traffic light system for, for the games. Yeah. The ones that he absolutely had to win were, were the games against the, the teams that were also in, you know, probably going to be in the relegation position the mid-table sides you know, it was, you know, look to get something out of it and then then the top, the top, the top teams if you get anything it's a bonus and Something's going wrong at Wolves if they're able to to perform much better against the top sides and then they can't do it uh, for the for the mundane run of the mill games and and that's the real problem. Uh, just looking at the the stats from that game, and a notable and interesting statistic to me: Wayne Hennessy, Wolverhampton Wanderers goalkeeper, attempted a total of forty nine passes, of which only fifteen found their target. Well, that's because he's booting it long constantly. I know, but that is some pretty shocking distribution, isn't it? That, that's giving the ball away an awful lot of the time anyway yeah i'm well i mean yes but that that would be that would be a similar statistic to if you looked at someone's uh, successful completed pass rate from corners so uh, i i think one of those things when a, a keeper hits it long uh, they, they are it's probably no better than 50 50 on average yeah and 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 wolves were quite direct at times uh, and united had a problem with that and um and one of the reasons that united had a problem with that was because um the player who i increasingly believe to be the most important player in the Manchester United squad got himself injured in the warm-up uh, we we may indeed as all the accusations last season that were levelled against us be a one-man team but in my view that one man is Rio Ferdinand yeah and it was absolutely crucial and also not not just that um, Ferdinand was injured in the warm-up but also that uh, Chris Smalling hadn't warmed up so couldn't play in it I thought it was pretty revealing actually that, that Ferguson said 
said that and uh, said he would have played Smalling if he had actually been warm. Yeah. Uh, and so instead, Evans played. I don't actually think Evans was was that bad. I mean, no, we've talked about it before. He does get found out from from uh, in physical situations and from set pieces, and and uh, clearly United had a problem from set pieces in the game. But I, I don't know whether you can st- point the finger at Evans and say it's his fault. I don't think actually Village uh, was the closest man to the first goal, wasn't he? If I recall correctly. Um, so yeah, I, I don't I don't know whether you could actually blame Evans per se, but Ferdinand is increasingly not increasingly incredibly important to United, and he just seems to make everyone around him better. He does like, like Paul Scholes in midfield, of course. Yeah, at his peak, Paul Scholes made everyone else tick as well, and or, or Roy Keane. Yeah, I, I guess the the very best players do that. Roy, Roy Keane, uh, Marcello Liffey called him United's heartbeat, and uh, he was for a number of seasons. And I think Ferdinand, you might be right, might might be that player now. It's it's just interesting because we we do collapse at set pieces so often when he's not playing, and when him and Vidic play together, they look. I mean, Nemanja uh, Vidic just. I, I, I sorry, I keep banging on about this on the rankcast, and, and I do apologise for that. But I but it's a, I've it's kind of got a bee in my bonnet about it. Vidic is having an absolutely phenomenal season, but he just looks ten times the player next to Rio, and and I really really hope Rio's there for the derby. What's yeah, the it's the not necessarily going to be the case, is it? No. So the papers are saying he might be out for another couple of weeks. Oh, really? I, I the last I saw was uh, battle to get fit type stuff, uh, looking looking potentially to play in the derby even. But you're saying it's going to be a couple of weeks. Yeah, well, that's the papers, and of course, United are, are not always uh, entirely honest with the newspapers <laughs> when it comes to these things. And, and the noises coming out of Old Trafford of of uh, sorry, Ferdinand not being quite fit uh, might well be false, mightn't they? So, and it, and it might affect, of course, it might affect Manchester City's strategy uh, on Saturday because uh, they were incredibly negative uh, in the game at Eastland, and indeed they have been in many games this season where they've basically played three holding players or Yaya Torre in a slightly more advanced role than he ever played for Barcelona, and and maybe they would think if United had a key defensive player out that they might play a slightly more attacking strategy, and that might play into United's hands by you know, making it a more open game. I mean, that, let, let's talk about the derby. I guess it's it's you know this is going to keep happening, I suppose, but but this has got to be the one of the most significant derbies in in recent memory. If if we manage to win this game, uh, the table's going to look very very different than if goodness forbid we lose it yes i do think it's is particularly important but but look, look they all are and I, and uh, the papers will say most important derby ever you know this is Manchester city's chance to make a statement and i think they've you know pulled out that piece for the last four or five derbies haven't they so um, it's not that it's an important game because it's getting to direct rival and uh, of course it's the local derby as well but um, being only sort of what is it 13 games from the end of the season now a win for United would move United's eight points clear of City keep that four point at least four point gap on Arsenal a win for City and City are two points behind us and United potentially only a point ahead of Arsenal and the momentum would be um, firmly behind Manchester City and Arsenal then and United would lost two on the trot and still have to go to Arsenal and Chelsea and Liverpool and and so you, you can see how uh, this this could have a real effect both on morale and, and momentum going into the last few games of the season I mean that's an incredibly tough run in yeah absolutely and and we've not looked our best obviously we, we've, we've not looked good away from home this season no right and the Champions League starting up again in a, in a week and a bit and, and some crucial games coming up after Champions League fixtures I mean it depend on on whether we uh, beat Marseille 
eight or not as well. And the squad's looking pretty thin. You know, it doesn't. There's not. There doesn't look to be huge strength and depth in our squad. No, you're right. And I think if we're bringing on the G bomb to to do the business for us in midfield, that that says it all, really, doesn't it? And although you know, counter that, Antonio Valencia is back in training and could be back uh, within the next you know, few weeks. And and that, that'll be. I think that'll be quite a significant addition to United in say the last ten games of the season. Yeah. Well, if he if he comes back um, and manages to get himself match fit and effective quickly, which is is by no means a guarantee because it's a very very long term injury and, and a pretty horrific one so it's going to be quite tough to come back from that I'm sure and, and and if Rooney can strike up some of the form he managed to find last week um, his lost missing form then we, we we stand a really good chance in the running but but those things are both quite big ifs and we have to hope that that Dimitar Berbatov manages to to fire again. He's he's had a couple of games without scoring now, and he he didn't look particularly good in either of them. He I mean he was effective in in providing for Rooney, wasn't he, in the, the game before the Wolves game? But he, he didn't look great in the Wolves game, although he didn't have a huge amount of service or support. Um, no. And there's a really really good piece which I meant to plug uh, last week, written by Nick at Sleepy underscore Nick on Twitter. Um, you can find it at Stretford End.com. It's called Dimitar Berbatov Essential Analysis, Berber Flop or Berber Rotica. I think we know where I stand on that subject and it's a very, very lengthy and detailed post about Berbatov's role in United since since he arrived at the club. It's an excellent piece. So, that's so you're saying you like a bit of Berber Rotica, do you? Well, who well, doesn't? You know, he's Dimitar Berbatov. He's, he's just, he's, yeah. Mm. Uh, and he's got a, on the wall. He's yeah. got, no. Berbatov in his man pouch, no. waxed chest. Oh dear, you're saying bad words. Grim, very grim. No good sentence contains the word pouch, unless you're talking about kangaroos. I think he might score in the derby, though. I'm, I'm really, I'm really nervous about this game. I'm super nervous about this game. I don't know why I should be. We've been really good at home, and if the players aren't up for it and confident in the derby, I I don't. Basically, if Rio and Vidic play, all my kind of worries about the game will go away. But if they don't, then if they're not playing together at the back, then then I'm definitely concerned because this city side. if Mancini decides to go for it, they, they've got some they've got some talent that can do us some damage in areas where we're struggling, haven't they? They really do. If if they do decide to go, I, I, I mean, look, they're not going to are they? They're, they'll play a conservative game. I, I cannot believe that they'll play Tevez, Zeko, Balotelli, David Silva, James Milner, and, and all of those Adam Johnson, all of those attacking players in the same side. I just don't think it will happen. So I, I would expect that Zeko will start on the bench as he did last week. And We'll see. I think they'll probably take a conservative approach. Although it just depends on their ambitions. If they genuinely believe they can win the title, then they need to come to Old Trafford and, and look to, you know, claw. this is a big chance for Manchester City to claw back some points and, and put the boot in on United. And, uh, but if their ambition is simply to consolidate in the top four, then I think they'll come and try and get a point. And that's what, after the, the last derby, that, that was your analysis of the situation, was that they're just doing everything they can to lock up fourth place because that means this summer they get to sell themselves to the world's footballing elite as a, as a as a team in the Champions League. Yes, they do. Although, of course, uh, there, there's another there's another thing that comes into play, and that's the UEFA financial fair play regulations mm. coming in this summer, and and there, there's some discussion about it. Uh, wasn't there when Chelsea spent so much money on on uh, Fernando Torres and and uh, David Luiz on deadline day when um, what was it seventy odd million lost the same day they spent about seventy million pounds, and you just 
I think, well, hang on a minute. They're supposedly in favour of the financial play, fair play regulations and they're completely flouting them. And uh, But they officially come in in the summer. There'll be three years of monitoring effectively uh, when you can, they can um, clubs can spend 45 million euros over budget, then 30 million over budget, then 15 and then naught. So that will affect Manchester City's thinking because they're significantly over budget at the moment. And uh, so I, I guess there will be some sales in the summer if they, if they want to spend money on some top players too. It's going to be very interesting to see how it pans out. And, uh, you know, we'll, I'm sure we'll address the potential transfers in the summer in, in great detail when we get towards that bit of the season. I, I Last weekend, we lost to Wolves. Other results massively let us off the hook didn't they that that four four game arsenal against newcastle absolutely extraordinary capitulation from title challengers arsenal and it sort of reminded me why in the chelsea arsenal game earlier in the season even though arsenal were closer to us in the league and and indeed still are still kind of want them to beat chelsea because you think that they're more likely to drop points later in the season and then chelsea had a massive opportunity against liverpool and and completely threw it away so you'd have to say chelsea are looking bang out out of the title race. Well, they are, uh, and I, I suspect that uh, I suspect that they know that. And, and Torres is there, as we as we mentioned last week to try and give them a shot at the Champions League. But I, you're right. I, you just feel that if Chelsea could somehow put it together, they'd be more of a threat. But they're a long way. But they, what are they still eight points behind no, now? Ten, 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 still ten points behind. There you go. I mean, that was a big chance for them, wasn't it, against Liverpool? And, and ten points, thirteen games to go. You'd, you'd say it would be very unlikely. And Arsenal are too soft. You'd still say. United are favourites but yeah. that's why Saturday is so important yeah my, so. If, if we win this game on Saturday it's just a, an enormous lift it's an enormous yeah, lift yeah if we win this game on Saturday we can go to Stamford Bridge and the Emirates knowing that draws are perfectly good yeah. Oh, it's too tense. I don't like it. There's too much on the line. Squeaky it's, bum time. It, it's just, it's too early for squeaky bum time. It's February. You know, we shouldn't, it's, but it already feels like the season's hanging on a a, a, a knife edge. You don't hang on a knife edge. It's well, you don't, you don't not. I mean, it might, it might hurt a bit. Uh, yeah. The season's balancing on a knife edge. It's, it's, it, it could turn so quickly. It, we, we've all, we're already in a much stronger league position than I certainly I thought we'd be by this time this season and our rivals have not taken advantage of the weaknesses that we've displayed but you just I'm just still scared that they will you know because I don't think I don't see the rest of the, between now and the end of the season I don't see us stepping up a gear I really don't because I think that the team selection is too inconsistent. There isn't enough strength in depth. He has to end up playing the G-bomb or John O'Shea or, you know, players that just not in the same league as those those teams who've been out on the pitch when we've put those really good performances in. And, and he can't, he just can't get his whatever it is, not first 11, but, but first 15 playing on the pitch together often enough. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there is another gear to come from United. I, I think we've, we have seen the best on occasion that United have got to offer but you know, everyone else is inconsistent too so domestically we've got as good a shot as anyone in fact you know, I, think, I think we're 4.3 we are, we are favourites uh, in Europe they'll be ultra 
ultra cautious and that it's it's in sort of 10 days time isn't it the the first match we're not actually playing next week uh the uefa in their infinite wisdom stagger the round of 16 now so it's played over four nights rather than two you know great all for tv of course and so i expect united to progress from that tie but but after that of course it just depends on the draw doesn't it and i think there are some uh, there's still some pretty strong sides in the in the competition yeah absolutely there, there certainly are and I, I, I mean i haven't even started thinking about the possibility of us winning the champions league this season because it's like it, it goes on to the back burner doesn't it over the christmas period you stop thinking about the champions league and then suddenly it's upon you again and the, the reality dawns that you know you're a few games away from getting to the final and we could you know a favorable draw a, a fair wind all that stuff we've definitely got yeah. we've definitely got enough attacking prowess to do damage to anyone we come across of course so, there were there was some international football in the week and a, a few united players were involved in what did ferguson call it madness that there there were internationals i think he always does doesn't he so um uh, the G-bomb, in fact, played uh, for Ireland against uh, Wales and scored a blinding goal. So. And uh, indeed, at BS1878MUTD on Twitter, asked whether we thought that the trap was right and the G-bomb should leave Manchester United for his own good. He should certainly leave Manchester United for Manchester United's own good. But do you think it would be good for the G-bomb's development to go to, say, Bolton Wanderers? Yeah, I, I, do. I think he needs to play. Um, I think that's how players progress is, is by having a game I and mean, at the moment he's getting a game here and there and tends to be when there's a few changes and that probably doesn't help him either so yeah clearly I, 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 I don't see enough raw talent uh, that he's ever going to make it at United but he, yeah I think from Chapatoni's point of view it makes sense for, for Gibson to play. Gibson's argument of course was that um, that uh, as he said last year it wasn't very polite that uh, it, it, you know if he went to Stoke he, he just doesn't know about that because they're not very good I mean paraphrasing basically so he he has i think as we spoke about in an earlier edition of Rankcast, quite an ego on him and uh, i I think he probably thinks he's he's better than he really is so he doesn't have any intention of going. I think it's different from some players who've gone from United in the past when they were very much focused on playing. And, and that would be an argument that would have made sense. And, you know, Nicky Button, Phil Neville, both plays on the fringes of United's first team. But in fact, more involved in the first team than, than uh, the G-bomb has ever really been. And they both left so they could play regular football. And, and it doesn't actually look like Gibson will, although he's out of contract in um, June 2012 and hasn't really done thing to earn a new one it's gonna upset me if we sign Gibbo I mean the G-bomb to a big contract that's it's not going to be a good moment but you know we, we, we have a pop at the G-bomb every week on the rank cast and I still maintain I really do wish the boy well and I hope he comes good well, Rooney played for England last night beat Denmark 2-1 a decent result for Fabio Capello and Nani had about an hour for Portugal but even better news Nemanja Vidic didn't play for Serbia against Israel Ferguson did a, a deal there and, and got Vidic out of the tie uh, given Ferdinand's injury that's uh, pretty important I'd say what do, what do you think that deal was I dread to think what kind of deal you have to do with the Serbian FA to get a player out of the team <laughs> yeah, right well maybe they promised to sign a, another one of their promising 
players, that kind of thing, and then pull out of it at the last moment, claiming they couldn't get a work permit. Talking of internationals, at Hardik Moda on Twitter uh, asked whether we would give up England's success for Manchester United's. Uh, for example, would we want Rooney to come into international retirement like Paul Scholes? I think sounds like a brilliant idea yeah, to me. Yeah. Not 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 too difficult or controversial a question for either of us. I think we're both definitely uh, United fans ahead of England fans. No, in fact, I think they take much of the not 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 just the travelling. I mean, Rooney's still young, isn't he? So it's not really so much of the, the travelling and time away. It's it's the focus of the media yeah. on England players and the negativity that surrounds that time that side constantly. And I think it would do Rooney the world of good not to play for England. Yeah, I mean, you could argue, of course, that the same thing is applied by the media to Manchester United's players, but it's less um, ubiquitous, isn't it, than when there's an international match. All yeah. the focus of all the media coverage becomes on those international players and because Rooney's been England's talisman uh, and, and has massively underperformed for England even more than he's underperformed for United then then I think that is probably quite difficult thing to deal with nice to see your own fans booing you you know what always really bothered me about when Rooney said that is they weren't his home fans they were in South Africa that's not it's not a home <laughs> match no no maybe job is not one of his stronger points yeah um, so I think it's uh, it's an easy decision for us did you see the England game I, I watched it on ITV.com I, I watched it I hate to say this but England were quite good <laughs> it's, it's very it's very disconcerting when England are quite good it's like you know mm. you think they might haven't qualified for an international tournament for quite some time <laughs> so let, let's put this into some context <laughs> I kept reminding I was talking to my housemate who is a, a football fan but but perhaps doesn't follow it you know exactly closely and if you just sort of think about Denmark you think oh yeah Denmark decent side but that's based on absolutely nothing it's based on the team that had Jesper Olsen in it you know 986 P- that was a decent side <laughs> Yeah, or the Schmeichel Denmark team. You know. Well, that Schmeichel Denmark team, yes, that um, managed to win the Euro ninety what Euro ninety two, and they hadn't even qualified for it. Yeah, that's right. Talking of Danish goalkeepers, Anders Lindegaard didn't play for Denmark. No, he was on the bench. Thomas Sorensen re- resumed goalkeeping duties for Denmark last night. As we record this, it was last night, Wednesday night. I wonder if Sir Alex has done a deal with the Danish FA as well. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm not quite sure that Anders Lindegaard's quite as important to United as Nemanja Vidic. Just yet. I mean, give the boy time. Yeah, absolutely. I, I quite enjoy the international friendlies. I, you know, the G bombs, magnificent goal. You know, it really was a, a, a thing of beauty, wasn't it? Nice one too, and then slammed into the top corner. Uh, talking of a thing of beauty, have you seen the Wesley Schneider goal? I haven't. Actually. Oh, got to see it. And uh, have you seen the Zlatan goal against Lecce? A I didn't of see weeks that either. Ago? You need to. Uh, as soon as we stop recording, you need to go and look at both of those goals. And everyone. Well, and since does. since we're on YouTube moments of beauty did you see the piece of Ronaldo skill from the weekend ridiculous absolutely ridiculous if you haven't seen this viewers he manages to flick it over his opponent uh, using his back and then run around the opponent so it's a, it a quite remarkable piece of skill it's a brilliant moment where the defender just sort of looks at him like you know d- genuinely completely befuddled about where the ball is because he hasn't used any of the bits of his body that he's supposed to hit the ball with uh, to hit yeah. the ball so the defender's got no idea what's going on that led me down a rather sad rabbit hole actually that did because after that the, the next video recommended was a six minute video of Ronaldo skills quite a lot of which were in a United shirt and I I realise much to my own disappointment in a way I really miss the boy uh, even with his flouncing and his massive ego 
and his everything's about me. He's just so incredibly, incredibly good. Yeah, but don't worry, we've got Bebe. <laughs> and, and you know, a person that, that suffers most in comparison is Nani, because he's obviously having a good season, but he, he clearly holds himself in a sort of similar regard to Cristiano, but the the, the dead ball delivery is... is it's not on the same planet as 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 Ronaldo's. No, no, no. Nani's a good player and he has improved, but uh, yeah, he, he there's not much else there, is there? He he's not he, he's almost there at, at uh, the best he's going to be, I think. Nani just a, a little bit more consistency, and he'll be a good player and valuable for United for many years to come, probably, if but he it, manages to do that. But um, but not on the same level as Ronaldo. And not. and I do miss him, and I hope he I hope he comes back one day. Uh, sort of just just I don't know. Anyway, it was it was just like. I don't know, looking up an ex-girlfriend on Facebook or something. It's just, you shouldn't do it. It's just depressing. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what you mean. No, of course you don't, Ed. No, all your ex-girlfriends look you up on Facebook, don't they? That's how it works. He's a a man in demand, listeners. I I have one love and that is United. (laughs) (laughs) I... I won't tell that to your uh, future wife, will I? Actually, she must. She surely must have worked that one out by now. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I guess probably that wraps it up for another edition of the Rankcast, doesn't it? It's been it's been United news light this week because of the uh, international matches, but it's going to go into absolute overdrive, building up to the derby. We have to do predictions, even though it's a completely unpredictable mess. It is a completely un. Predictable mess. I am going to predict that United are going to win 1-0 in a scrappy, scrappy, nasty, bitty match that has very little to it except for a goal. Who's going to score? I, I, I think it will come from midfield somewhere. Maybe, maybe Nani will be our match winner. Okay, that'd be good. I suppose I have to predict a United win. I, I, I just, I just, I'm not feeling it. I, 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 I'm, I'm scared of this game. I, I'm scared of. I, I, I'm intimidated going into this game, and it's, it's an unfortunate position. But I feel an obligation to be honest. But I'm going to be optimistic as I was was before the Wolves game, and I'm going to say that we're going to win. And I think we're going to win two one, and it's going to be vintage last minute. Javier Hernandez goal uh, and the oh, other, nice. other goals are going to come from Berbatov and Tevez there you go yeah actually I'd quite like Tevez to score an own goal that that would be <laughs> yeah. probably not going to happen and any wins a win isn't it yeah. I mean I, I would like to share with you if I may a moral dilemma that I find myself in because my f- work football fantasy league is really hotting up now we get we you know it's it, much like the Premier League itself it's pretty tight at the top and, and a good result in one direction or other could definitely sway the direction of the season and I, I'm in with a chance you know I've, I think I'm sitting fourth at the moment but I'm only a point off second and only 20 points off first which is, which is not a lot of points and a lot of my success has been predicated on the fact that and, and please whisper this I've had Carlos Tevez as captain for quite a lot of games this season but I feel that it is not moral for me to have Carlos Tevez as captain going into this weekend it's not I, moral for you to win that league let let Let's just put it like that. (laughs) The right thing to do would be to resign right now. (laughs) Well, the thing is, I had Berbatov Berbatov in the side. No excuse. I dropped Berbatov, not for the good of my fantasy football team, but for the good of Dimitar Berbatov, because I was worried that I was holding him back. You know, I don't want to do that. So maybe I should keep Tevez as my captain, just in case I can put a fantasy football-related curse on him in some way, and he will get no points whatsoever. You, you keep telling yourself that. 
Yeah. Someone out there might believe you. <laughs> All right. Well, if you want to attack me for my choice of fantasy football teams, you can follow me on Twitter at UTD Rantcast. Ed, you can find, of course, at United Rant. And more to the point, you can find them at unitedrant.co.uk, where there will be a whole load of fantastic articles all week long, even though Ed's in foreign countries. Is that right? Or are we going to... Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll find time. I'll find time. It's, it's, the interweb is uh, global, I've been led to believe. So I guess we'll be back with another one of these next week, and it'll either be a joyous, triumphalist rant cast or a bit of a, a navel-gazing, can we hold on to it from here rant cast. I, I hope it's the former, but I look forward to talking to you about it either way, Ed. 